All right, let's do a clap. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> good job clapping, Alex. Uh, I've, I've that, been practicing. Is that what you? Is that what you learned in music school? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They taught us how to clap. Yeah. There's that piece called "Clapping Music" that you're probably familiar with. Oh yeah. Maybe Steve Reich, "Clapping Music." You ever heard of that? Oh no, no, no. I was thinking of the other one. Um, ta ta ti ti ta. ta. <laughs> That's not a song. That's just a way to teach children how to count. <laughs> uh, no, there's this one piece that goes like. Um, I can't hear and any then of that. Somebody else joins in. Oh, you didn't hear the clapping? Discord must have canceled out noise what, it, what it perceived as noise. We need to have a discussion with Discord about the difference between music and noise. <laughs> yeah, we'll get real high and mighty with them. Yeah. So, um, for the, uh, viewer, I mean, listener spent, definitely not viewer spent maybe <laughs> like 40 minutes trying to figure out how to get this to work as a live stream. Um, long story short, I've been doing, been starting to do some Twitch streams lately, um, as quarantine, you know, drives me increasingly insane at home alone. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, hey, we talked about doing live broadcast of the podcast before. Broadcast podcast. Ooh. And um, <laughs> so I was thinking maybe there's a way I could do this on Twitch. And surprisingly, it is a lot harder than I thought. I guess not surprisingly. I don't know. Uh, but it, it just looks easy. I see people doing video podcasts. I, so the easiest solution I've heard is that actually... If you have a premium Zoom membership, you can just stream straight from Zoom. But then, oh, then you just got rectangles, and I want it to be more bespoke than that. So, I don't know, <laughs> bespoke, <laughs> bespoke video podcasting. Right, right, right. But yeah, it's just you know this. I'm sure if you haven't tried to do podcasting on your own, this will all be meaningless. But it's the age-old problem that i have of routing audio to the right place and making sure that different machines are picking up what you want it to pick up um so yeah yeah i think ben franklin wrote about this problem in his memoirs <laughs> yeah so yeah, it is an age-old problem i mean <laughs> if anyone figured it out ben did <laughs> yeah old uh, benny i heard he made some dank memes so <laughs> yeah check those out yeah. sometime. he is his uh his grave his like two blocks away from me. It's crazy. Oh, right. You're with all that historical shit around. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. So when, when I come to visit the great city of Philadelphia, Rob, yeah. we're going to have to see some historical things. Yeah, for sure. Do a little walking tour. See some yeah. alleyways. Philly has lots of alleyways. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's, I can't wait to go to Philadelphia and spend some time in the alleys. <laughs> No, I just, that's just kind of like an odd observation I've, I've had as I walk around. I'm like, man, there's a lot of alleys here. Like I just, you never notice alleys until <laughs> you come to a place like Philly. Um, are they like pretty alleys? Oh yeah. There, there's some nice, Oh, I see. as far as alleys go, so then... some nice alleys. These aren't sketchy alleys. These aren't drug alleys. These are like colonial Ben Franklin alleys. <laughs> oh, I got you. Well, yeah. we don't have those in Chicago. We only have the sketchy kind. Right. The sketchy trash and rat filled kind. 
Yeah, it's funny. Like, um, I guess I got the idea from Batman, which was also partly filled in, filmed in Chicago. But I, I thought before going to New York that New York would be this place of like sketchy side alleys and, you know. But anyway, New York does not have shady alleyways. Actually, they rarely have alleyways at all. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did notice that. I was kind of thinking like, I guess that's why y'all got to put your trash out in the damn street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like some kind of dystopian future city where it's just there's just garbage everywhere. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> Always garbage. I'm just kidding. I'm just giving New York a hard time. I like New York. Yeah. I don't think I could live there, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't wait to go back and live there. Yeah. Yeah. Miss it. Really, it's too small time for you. Too small time. Too quiet. It's quaint. It's little <laughs> tiny town. Tiny town. Yeah. <sighs> Man, so um, I don't know where to start off. I was gonna say, how's your honeymoon? How how was your honeymoon? I mean, my honeymoon was awesome. Cool. Um, we took a we made a circle around Lake Michigan. Nice. So we saw. We saw, I don't know if it's the best that all these states have to offer, but probably the best that Michigan has to offer. And the little sliver of Wisconsin on the way home. Oh. But um, it went to Sleeping Bear Dunes. Cool. And Mackinac Island and um, the Pictured Rocks National Lakefront. Nice. Which was, I'm sure was great, but we just got rained on the whole time we were there, so oh. I didn't really actually see any of that. Uh, went to Copper Harbor, which is in the little horn in the top of the up like a little horn um, on lake superior there it's further than i've been and porcupine mountains Ooh. western part of the up mm-hmm. that was pretty awesome and then door county in wisconsin which is like a i don't know it's kind of a built up like small towny area it's like a touristy small town area hmm. it's a little weird yeah it wasn't our favorite i mean we liked it um Oh, listeners from everything there. else we did. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, listeners from there. I thought it I, it was it was nice. It was way more like posh than all the other places we went. Everywhere else we went was like genuinely like small town. Everything felt small. Huh. And there felt a little bit more like, oh, this is where all the city people come when they want to be in a small town for a while. Oh, interesting. You know what I yeah. mean? Like like pretty much yeah. most of Connecticut. <laughs> it's a state that has risen up of like people who make money in New York but they don't want to live in a city so let's just go live in Connecticut. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, I didn't know that was yeah. what Connecticut all, was. All the rich white people. Probably. Yeah. yeah, it seems pretty apt. Yeah. Yeah, lots of rich white people. Um mm-hmm. that was Mackinac Island too. It was like an uncomfortable amount of rich white people and the only people of color you would see were people working, and that made me really upset and didn't yeah. enjoy that part um, at all. I had that weird experience in Connecticut. Um. <laughs> Send this to the Connecticut Tourism Bureau. Yeah. They're going to love it. And it's just, I think it was like it was like a remarkable thing when you saw a person of color. It's like, oh, there's a person who's not mm-hmm. white and wearing boat shorts and whatnot. <laughs> is Hartford the only big city in Connecticut? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think I mean, of the, any the places I'm familiar with are like the little beach towns. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, apart from uh, that, sorry to get back on topic. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> zing, ding. No, it was. Uh... <laughs> oh, I have some. Oh. Shows how to Rob, play the triangle. Wait, wait. <laughs> wait, Rob. Phil. Phil, I gotta get the bell. <laughs> All right. On on another note of uh, like traveling with just very homogenous population, I had the same experience when I was in Japan, and actually that's the only other place I felt like being in Connecticut was uh, when my my friends and I <clears throat> we took this trip to Tokyo a few years ago, like 2016, and um, over there it's just like everyone is Japanese and you know not that many white people leave either uh of course you know most of the tourists were but um it you know if you saw someone of color it really stood out and um i had even had this weird experience of feeling different when i walked out the first day i was kind of groggy and jet lagged but i was just kind of walking around exploring the streets of tokyo by myself and, um, you know, walking into shops and stuff. And then came back after a long time of walking around to the hotel, went to the bathroom and kind of like looked up at the mirror. And I was like, for, you know, a millisecond, I was kind of like surprised to see a white face. Like, I was just so used to seeing just like every face the entire day yeah. was Japanese. You know, it was very homogenous. And, you know, no one else looked like me. And then I went back to the hotel and it's like, whoa, that was a weird feeling. I've never encountered that as, you know, someone growing up in the United States where you're the majority. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience when I was in China. Mm -hmm. um, although we were with a, a tour group of all people from the United States. So it was a little less, or not all people from the Western hemisphere. Yeah, there were some South American people there too. But. Yeah, I didn't really think about it through much of the rest of the trip. It was just kind of like that first day I went out by myself, so I didn't see anyone. Yeah, yeah, interesting. interesting. So what'd you get? Belt. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> nice color. <laughs> so now, whenever we uh, make a really terrible joke, I can play the bell. It's funny. Um, Discord does a great job of cutting that out, almost except for the very end. <laughs> I mean, it'll be in, right. it'll be well, in the podcast because you're going to send me your local recording. But right, Discord is doing some funky things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, oh yeah, I said sorry to get back on topic. That's why I was going to play the bell. I Ding. was like, what was even the joke I made? Yeah, yeah, it's going great. Well, anyway, this is going well. Um, it's a very interesting co topical conversation. Um, <laughs> we've, been, we've been gone for so long, people are thirsty for anything. <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah. Um, they should probably drink some water if they're that thirsty. But Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So <laughs> anyway, we need a bad joke I, bell, too. Do you have multiple yeah, notes? Well, I think it's this is I think that's what this is. This is the bad joke bell or like the punny joke oh, okay. bell or anytime there's a yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh yeah. so I'm a little distracted. Part of the reason is because I'm in a, a bit of pain in my neck and back. Yeah, what happened? Um well, you know, I was doing I guess I was doing some extreme sleeping or something because <laughs> the way I fell asleep, I fell asleep on my stomach and had my neck turned and uh, I remember waking up in the middle of the night going like, oh, man, 
my neck feels terrible. Mm. And then, you know, went back to sleep or whatever. And then over the course of the next 24 hours, um, I slowly um, became paralyzed. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, like, it was like, I was just like, oh, my God, everything hurts. Breathing hurts. Swallowing hurts. I can't sneeze because when I rear back to sneeze, the pain triggers him and I just go like, oh, 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 oh God, <laughs> and I don't sneeze. It was bad um, for a little. Uh, it's still kind of bad, but not as bad. It's just your whole back. I went to a chiropractor. It's my upper back and neck. Mm. Um, that's where it hurts. And so I went to the chiropractor and he's like, like, you know, took a total of like 10 seconds to like feel my back. And he's like, oh, I think you have a rib out. What? Like one of my ribs is like out of place or something. <laughs> and I was like, dear Lord. You, you're just that sleeping. You didn't break anything. <laughs> yeah. I was like, did someone come in like punch me in my back while I was sleeping? <laughs> but uh, anyway, so he like, you know, adjusted me and like he adjusted my neck and back and rib. And the rib and back one felt great. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then I hate the neck ones. I don't know if you've ever been to a chiropractor. No, I was, I was going to ask you, have you ever been to one before this? Uh, once. Okay. Um, and I can remember like just being, just dreading the moment that he was going to have to do my neck. Because like, they like slowly twist it, you know? And you're mm-hmm. like, and all of a sudden they're like, <laughs> and you know it's coming, but you can't tense up because... Like that will like negate what he's trying to do. Like he needs it to be relaxed so that mm-hmm. you can just snap it. If you're like resisting it, it won't work. So it's like. So what does he do? Feeling. Really. What do you mean? What like, does he do? So like he he said you had a rib a rib out, but nothing was yeah. wrong with the rib. What did he do to the rib? I don't understand. So I think the rib came out of place. I don't know what he actually meant by rib out. I don't know if he meant like dislocated as much as like. Oh, it's like wrapped up in like some muscle, like has a hold of it or something. Mm. Like your muscles, like I think because I did something in my neck from sleeping, my muscles reacted and like went into protection mode, mm-hmm. and they like tensed up all around my spine. And I think one of those things, what what that happened was to like, get like yanked on a rib or something. And so he was like a, putting his hand between like my shoulder blade and spine and like rolling me over really fast so it would like pop whatever was there, you know, back in. Oh wow, the, how it was supposed to be. I don't know, but I've been twice and I have to go at least two more times. And after the first time, because I hadn't really been adjusted in a long time, mm-hmm. I was so sore then on top of the pain. So it was like, eh, it was just, I was not moving around for like a whole day. I was like teaching all my lessons, like sitting on this couch behind me and just like, oh man, sitting like this and be like, just like play in time. I was like <laughs> pointing at the kids and be like, do it again better. I can't show you, but do it again. <laughs> Just try again. I was a really bad teacher. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, as time has gone on, it's it's slowly gotten better, and I use this awesome massage gun, which uh, hmm. provides me with temporary bouts of relief. I've but, I've never gone to a chiropractor, and there are times where I feel like maybe I probably need one. Like I'm in so much back pain, but I. I, I was never really clear on what the hell they actually do. They're not really a medical professional. And so like, are they just like pushing things around? Like, I don't, is it temporary relief, yeah, well, but maybe they're harming? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think the only reason they're, I mean, I'm not a doctor and, but I think maybe the only reason they're not really considered like actual medical professionals is has a lot to do with the medical lobby <laughs> that would rather you just take a lobby for your pain. Medical lobby? Yeah. Yeah, like the AMA. 
American Medical Association. Well, okay, yeah, anyway. the association. It's not really a lobby. <laughs> yeah, that's what but, they yeah. do. They exist to lobby. That's, that's you what have the to get your association does. You have to get your certification through them. So, like, all your board exams go through the AMA. Sure, they do that yeah. too. But they're mostly there so that they can influence legislation about the medical profession. Oh, okay. Like, on behalf of doctors. But they're, they're also the, like, the licensing body. That's, like, how you become a doctor. Yeah. Uh, No, you get you get become a doctor... By getting board certified, right? And the board is like a, the AMA. The AMA board? I don't know if that's true. I, at this point, I'm talking out of my ass because okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, I think that like what they do is adjust your spine. Mm-hmm. Like the like your spine, you know, over time goes like from a nice, like good shape. Mm-hmm. And then we like sleep funny or like stand on one hip all the time. And we start to develop these like curves and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they literally just start to adjust it back by like by literally moving like when they do an adjustment it's like moving it back and then of course it will try to adjust back the other way mm-hmm. again and they have to keep they keep doing that so that you can correct it over time it has to be paired with exercises and things to improve your own posture otherwise you're going to drag it back into the bad position right? right right so it's not like if it's not like he can just like crack you and then oh you're fixed it's like yeah well he's trying to make it so you can actually stand this way without it being super painful mm-hmm. Because if you have a spine that's like this and you're trying to stand like this, it's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Mary's doctor gave her some like wall exercises where you, you do push-ups against the wall and that will help the top part of your spine. If you've got like some scoliosis or some curvature there, uh, Mm -hmm. it'll build up the muscles around that. And I had also heard um, through a deep tissue massage or rolfing, Mm -hmm. uh, they, it's basically you're pressing, so you're you have muscle, and then you have a layer of more firm tissue that goes over the muscle, and that firm tissue is kind of like you think of something that's ever been like like shrink wrapped or whatever, and mm-hmm. you see all the creases in like the meat or whatever it is, and um, yeah, that's kind of like what this layer does. So your your muscle is malleable, but the hard the harder tissue is going to keep it in place. So like what you were describing, if you've got bad posture, like most people, your, your muscles are in a certain position, but then that tissue starts to form to keep it in that position. So, mm-hmm. I mean, anyone who's taken music lessons and has their music teacher tell them to sit up straight, it's like an agonizing 45 minutes. My piano teacher would always, you know, you're on a bench without a back and she's like, sit up perfectly straight. And I'm like, okay, this is excruciating. <laughs> and right. And they, they said it would get better, but it never did. <laughs> um, but the, the Swedish massage technique Basically, yep. it's, you know, you're squishing that, that harder tissue. So then you have this kind of reset phase. And if you do a good job of, like, having proper posture or whatever, then that will become your normal position. And in, yep. in theory, I've never done this. I just read about that and thought, hmm, mm-hmm. I should do that someday. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's called myofascial release. Mm-hmm. I think is what they call that when you when you work that out so that you can readjust yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it hurts a lot when it's done, and then it, it makes you feel very good. Interesting. <laughs> and like, <laughs> um, I've had some, I've had a couple of deep tissue, and then like some like Thai massage where they do things like that, but then also, um, just lots of like tractioning kind of stuff. That's traction. Like, tractioning is like, so like if you like took your finger mm-hmm. and like pull it so that you can feel how like the joint like loosens up. Mm-hmm. 
when you pull it, that's traction. Oh, okay. okay? Yeah, so I've you can had do that. that to your neck. You can do that to your shoulders and uh, any. Yeah, so they yeah, do it yeah. to like legs and stuff, and it and it makes you. Uh, well, I don't know exactly why. Jailing, my wife used to do it with her wrist a lot because she had carpal tunnel, mm. and it made her like provided a lot of relief because it was like really inflamed, and I guess that maybe just gave it space hmm. for like maybe like fluids or I don't I don't really know. Maybe, I bet yeah. Mary would know. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that kind of stuff it usually makes you just feel very limber yeah. when you get out of it. You're like everything's like. I can actually move. My joints don't hurt, you know. <laughs> On the topic of um, massage, oh, unless you had something else to say about that. No. I was thinking. No. So um, at the meditation place I used to go to, uh, New York Insight Meditation, they you, you know, usually do the regular sitting meditation. And I think you came to one of them. Did you come when nope. you were visiting once? Okay. Maybe that was someone else. Um, I think I would remember. But uh, yeah, you... you you come in and you just sit and, um, you know, everyone would always tell me like, why would you bother to go somewhere else to sit when you can just sit by yourself at home? But it's just like, you could say the same thing about like working out. I don't know. There's just something about yep. being in a room with other people doing the same thing. It helps like mm -hmm. community. It, yeah. And it's just hard to like actually sit. Yeah, exactly. That external reinforcement. Like I could try and meditate at home. I never do probably because of this, but you know, even if I do, I might make it like 10 minutes, like, all right, I don't want to go play video games now. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's that, there's, um, both a collective energy mm -hmm. amongst all those people. Like you, and that energy, you could say that's like a tangible thing, or you could say that it just exists in your mind, but either way it's valuable mm -hmm. like that. It's like a motivation. Think, well, all these other, all these other people are here to devote this time. And so I feel like I'm part of that. Yeah. Right. And if I were to leave, that would like disrupt this energy, this like combined energy that we all have here together. It, exactly. Um, it becomes easier to go yeah. with the flow and, and it would exactly. be, it'd be painful to not do the thing that you came there exactly. to do. Yeah. Yep. And the same is true with yeah, working out, like especially in group class, um, like where you are seeing the same people every day, there's like an accountability factor and there's like a certain amount of suffering in working out. Right. And so that a communal suffering is much, easier to deal with than an individual suffering mm. because again, yeah, you'll just tell yourself to quit or whatever. But if you see a lot of other people enduring the same suffering, you're more inspired to also mm -hmm. like go through, like you feel okay to go through that because you're like, well, I'm not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I mean, it's, like it's there's some accountability, like these people are doing it. So I need to just buck up and do it. It's funny. You know? And ma maybe this is like ingrained from like early childhood gym class, but I I've always avoided a group uh, workout class because I thought the opposite. I, f I would fear that I would go in and I would be the only one suffering and everyone else there is like well adapted to these activities and they're doing fine and I'm over here looking ridiculous by myself and so I don't want to put myself in that kind of social situation. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, there's definitely some places where you would feel that way. I mean, I, I did CrossFit for a while and yeah. kind of stopped because I couldn't find another good gym community that I liked. But, um, one of the reasons I liked that so much was that like even CrossFit is like leveled. So like at the end of a workout, everybody is equally destroyed. <laughs> now, some people were lifting like twice as much weight than the other people, mm -hmm. which is why they felt destroyed, but you all feel equally wiped out at the end. So it's not like somebody just went like breezed through it and ever and other people are like dying no it's like everyone's dying at the end <laughs> yeah but some people just lifted more weight or uh. did harder things but yeah so that's why it's kind of nice that commute again the communal suffering there's like a lot of uh like 
brotherhood but what's the right word for like just family yeah, feeling just of like bond. you all finish together and you're like yeah we you know we did it yeah like even the person who just got there and it's their first day who's wiped out you like also feel like a bond with them you're like yeah we all went through that together like nice That's work cool. you know you don't feel like i'm better than them right right <laughs> like look at those weaklings <laughs> no you're too you're too destroyed to feel that way so. that's nice um yeah. Anyway, to get back on topic, the reason I brought up the meditation place, actually, <laughs> it wasn't uh, it wasn't about the meditation itself, but uh, they they break up the meditation or it, uh, they, you you do the forty five minute just silently sitting there, uh, like most people think, and then there's a break where you can get some water for five minutes or whatever, walk around, and then to help kind of refresh, because a lot of people do get tired just, you know, they might even fall asleep while they're meditating and that's fine. But, um, this guy led us through this activity a few times. They have different guiding. They're not really teachers per se. Like they don't tell you what to do, but they're just like people who have something to offer. And he was giving, I think he said it was Korean. I'm not sure what the origin was, but it was a tapping massage. And that was really mm. nice and refreshing. And so for someone who can't see the video, basically <clears throat> you take your, well, I guess one way to do it is um, if you stretch out your, your arm and your hand laterally, and then you let your fingers dangle. So now you just have like loose, loose fingers. It's like a spider. And, um, and so you just throw your fingertips at the top of your chest. So you're not, you're not pushing really. You're not trying to like strike it, but it's just kind of like thumping. And so throughout the course of this, you would do, you know, maybe the top of your shoulders and then the back of your neck. I'm doing it right now because it feels good. <laughs> um, but it would go, you would go through the, the whole body. Basically, you'd take turns, you know, like tapping your arm, even gently tapping your forehead because there's bone there. You don't want to tap as hard and like your cheeks mm -hmm. and going through all that like they're like little little bursts of energy when you hit your skin and then you do you know your whole torso and your face and your neck and everything you feel really just totally lit up at the end of it so that was mm -hmm. a pretty cool experience it's kind of a massage yeah. yeah have you ever talked with mary about like why that might why you might have felt that way at the end of it no or like this was years ago anyway i wonder yeah because i always kind of feel like with all these you know like eastern philosophy things that like they're just like different ways of explaining the same phenomenon so mm -hmm. like when people talk about like chakras you know and like have you ever heard of like people talk about yeah. chakras like i feel like that's just another way of saying like some other like thing that could be explained probably in a scientific way because mm -hmm. i i know like and i think and sometimes it's obviously co-opted by like the wrong people and it's not like just foo-foo or whatever but like i think some of it's very true and like vibrational healing like you know, I don't feel like you're gonna, you're gonna like cure cancer with vibrational healing, but there's definitely benefits to having like vibrate, like your body be vibrating, right. like just, just well, like you're talking about. It's like it wakens it up and yeah. like gets things moving and flowing, possibly where things maybe got stagnant or right. like maybe you've got little like yeah, like little knots or like energy's not just moving through there properly, mm -hmm. and that's waking it up, and then you feel charged because yeah. now everything's moving. I don't. Yes, yeah, that's that's I'm true. Sure there are reasons. I um. Yeah, and I'm sure at like, you know, the Buddhist center, they would explain it through energy, but I would, exactly you know, energy is another term that I would think of as, you know, 
when when I say I feel refreshed and energetic, really it's kind of like this tingling I get through my skin. It's because I was hitting it. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you yeah. if you lightly tap your skin, it's going to have a resonant kind of feeling compared to something you didn't tap, and mm-hmm. that's just you're you're activating your nerves. You know, so uh, re- mm-hmm. repeatedly in in. You know, nerves, by the way, are an electrical signal. So in terms of electricity, yeah. it is energy. You are, yeah. you're, you're basically, all these nerves that, you know, they exist for, you know, when you need them happen to touch this part of that part. But basically you're going through and you're turning on all the, it's like turning on all the lights in the house. You're turning on all the nerves all over your torso through gentle tapping and um you know that's going to leave you with a tingling kind of energetic feeling maybe you know as you said kind of like unblock something could be little blood vessels below your skin maybe you kind of get some extra blood flow going that could help too yeah yeah i don't know it could also be awesome i think like you know i'm sure like computers work this way too like if you're not using something on the computer for a long time like the computer like doesn't focus any energy towards it yeah. right so like on your body if you're like don't aren't thinking about parts of your body like you you lose awareness of them a little bit so like mm-hmm. once you've tapped everything maybe it's like there's lots of signals going because now like your brain is paying attention to every single part like you yeah it's just another word for mindfulness really like right. you can do a body scan right in meditation but it's the kind of the same feeling. the impact of that mindfulness so yeah Our, right so it was doing that before but you just weren't paying attention anyway so you wouldn't yeah, have noticed yeah. Right. Our, our brains yeah. are these biological computers and they mm-hmm. through evolution have designed to, you know, operate efficiently. We would need to eat so much more food, have more calories if we were operating everything all at the same time. Which is disappointing that I can't just pig out and have a better brain. You know, I wish it would work like that. Like you you give it more calories and all of a sudden you're smarter. <laughs> overclocking it yeah but um (laughs) but i mean that's why it might might overheat (laughs) when when i was uh living in spain i volunteered at this uh neuroscience lab at the university of barcelona because i wanted to get some lab experience in a past life i wanted to go and do a phd about perception and one of the things that we were studying was um face detection which means Mm -hmm. um how do you, out of all these, you know, just in terms of like light bouncing off of an object and vision happening, how does your brain detect, you know, a soda can versus a face? You, you know, light information is coming into your eyeballs. That's being turned into data electronically, mm-hmm. and that's going into different parts of your brain, and your brain is making sense of it. And, um, you know, if it's something that's totally new, that's going to get your attention because you've never seen it before. And you're going to spend more time kind of crunching on what this thing is. Like the first time you see a a new type of animal or whatever, then when you Mm -hmm. see something very familiar, uh, it could get to the point where you don't even register it. Like the ground, you may not even, you may not even recognize like, oh yeah, there's a street in that picture because of course there's a street. Um, and so yeah, this was right. focusing on like, how long does it take you to recognize a face? And a face uh, takes 120 milliseconds, 120 to 200 milliseconds of processing. And that is faster than pretty much any other object, which suggests evolutionarily 
recognizing a face out of noise or other signals is the most important thing that a human can do. You know, we want to mm -hmm. find another one like us. <clears throat> so, uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then some people have face blindness, right? That's like a thing. Yeah. Prosopagnosia. Um, mm -hmm. I read a lot of, uh, Oliver Sacks books and stuff like that. Cause he had face blindness and he was a neuroscientist. Um, mm -hmm. and he, he wrote a lot of really cool books. If no one's heard of him, uh, about that. Um, I think it's the, the man who mistook his wife for a hat, um, is, <laughs> is the book about that. And he wrote other books about different, you know, hallucinations and other visual things going on in your brain and processing. And, um, he, he really hit on stuff that I was super interested in, in college, which is kind of like the easiest way to learn about how something works is observing what happens when it's broken. And so, oh, right. um, you know, I was studying language in school. And so we would talk about like language disorders where people could perfectly understand everything you're saying, but they couldn't form coherent language on the other way out. And so... Because because of that, um, I always mix them up. Either Wernicke's aphasia or Broca's aphasia. But it's a type of aphasia, which means an aphasia is just a part of your brain not working. So you could talk to that person and scan their brain and see what is working. Then you could go to this other person who has a different aphasia who they can talk, they can write a letter, but they have no idea what you're saying to them. No, They can't mm. process language. <clears throat> um, so it's like input versus output and they have a different part of the brain not working. So when you scan the brains that teaches you which part of the brain is responsible for which part of language. Anyway, I don't know how we That's got so on this topic, but yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Either, That's very <laughs> interesting. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's like my audio interface. It's like, why does the microphone work? But my speakers won't play. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're just really advanced computers. Like maybe we're just the products of some incredibly advanced society. Ancient aliens. No longer exists. <laughs> yeah. They learned how to make, you know, like basically androids out of human tissue. And this is what we are. Yeah. And we can procreate. <laughs> there was this really cool uh, sci-fi story I read who, it was kind of along those lines. The, uh, it was looking at these aliens that lived inside of a planet. So it's like just a rock planet like Mars. and mm -hmm. But on the inside was this civilization of little, I guess we would describe them as robots because they're all metallic. Um, but uh, they, you know, evolved over time. So it's kind of like this idea of imagine like a computer just inventing itself just through other mm -hmm. simpler parts, you know, a couple pieces of silicon bump into each other. Then, if, you know, you eventually have a circuit in a, in a million years, and then eventually you've got a video card in a million. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was an interesting story. Yeah, very interesting. I'd like to do, a, it'd be cool to do a whole episode about, like, language and the brain and stuff like that. That's that's one of those topics that, like, I, I, I read about a lot, back in college but haven't talked about it in a long time yeah, yeah. you'll have to lead that one i don't know much about that sure yeah i'll happily listen yeah <laughs> and uh you can provide the the questions up, the and the clarification yeah, I'll make appropriate sounds like mm-hmm i'll be like michael barbaro <laughs> yeah on the deal i go mm. Mm. Ah. Mm. 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 
(laughs) Why didn't someone edit these sounds out? Nobody knows. (laughs) Anyway. Um, Um, Oh. Yeah. I had a birthday and... Oh, right. (laughs) Sorry. I didn't didn't forget your birthday, but I forgot that you had a birthday. (laughs) Because I did... did, wish you happy birthday yeah, yeah, but then yeah. i forgot that, that happened um <laughs> and on my birthday i went out and i bought myself a piano <laughs> yeah yeah let's hear about this piano Rob. yeah so you've been you've been uh telling me a little bits about it on discord I've, yeah i've been researching for a long time so uh the the backstory for it the short backstory is i have a digital piano at home uh, and, oh, I realized talking to my baker today that some people don't understand what digital piano is. I was like, I bought a digital piano. And she's like, oh, like for the iPad? <laughs> anyway. You should be like, yes, <laughs> and back away slowly. <laughs> so um, digital piano is a full piano keyboard with all the familiar black and white keys. Um, but when you press it, it produces a digital sound. There's no strings in there. No strings attached. Ooh, that should be a brand. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they should have a Discord. Uh, oh, okay. I'm glad we got the bell. <laughs> uh, um, so I had one. It's like 12 years old, though. A couple of the keys don't work, and it's just really crappy. It's um one of these weighted key pianos where... Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, sure, at the time, I guess it was a noble effort <laughs> to just, they added some weight, some resistance, so it feels more normal than just regular plastic keys. Um, but it's really crappy. Once you have a regular piano, you don't want to go back. Um, and I had, like, this baby grand piano, beautiful, at my house growing up in Michigan. And so when I moved to New York and I had this digital thing, I played it less and less, and then eventually for a couple of years it ended up in a closet. When we moved to Philadelphia, we had so much more space that I put it out in the living room. And combined with being at home, isolating myself, you know, working from home all the time, I just went over and I started playing it more and I was getting back into it. But again, just disappointed with how crappy this piano was. So I started to look up. I was like, I wonder like what good pianos are these days. And that led me down this rabbit hole of research. And, um, of course, there's cheaper ones, more expensive ones. Um, I'm not going to give you the rundown on everything I learned because that would be a whole podcast. But the one that I landed on that I ended up buying is a Roland LX706. And there's there's three models, but it's an LX series. And this is kind of like the middle of the options. And basically, at this point, it's hard to explain if you haven't played piano, but if you've played piano and you've like looked inside of a real piano, you'll see that there's a lot of different things going on. This is like a elaborate contraption. When you hit a button, it's not just a button that hits a string. You know, it's this key lifts up something in the back and then that pulls on another mechanism and it will, you know, lift up the these felt dampeners on that, keep the strings silent and so those lift up and then a you know a soft hammer will hit that string making the sound and then you know if you're not holding down a pedal then the dampener falls back down and you know most people think you hit the button you get the note 
But if you're actually playing it for a while, you become accustomed to all of the other sounds happening around the note, the, the sound of the damper you know brushing against the strings the click in your in your fingers um uh called escapement of when the different piano components kind of fall into place so to speak and um so a weighted piano that just is plastic with resistance that gives you a sound is really still a far cry from an actual piano and this piano that i just bought it has actual uh grand piano mechanisms inside it's got all the freaking wooden parts and all that as if it were a real piano but the destination is a sensor instead of a string it even has escapement the little subtle click that mm -hmm. you get yeah so i was looking for two things in piano shopping that which i just described kind of the feeling the experience of the key and then the sound of course you want it to sound realistic I'm working on it. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, Siri thought I asked for the experience of chi. <laughs> That's oh, another podcast. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very high-minded. <laughs> so, the uh, yeah, the other aspect, the sound quality. Um, I was looking at like Yamaha and trying to think of other names, Clavinova, Korg. Korg yeah. Um, so basically, these companies. They offer, you know, the, the physical experience, but also different processing of the sound. They different samples, like Yamaha samples this, you know, well-known Yamaha concert grand. And a sample, mm -hmm. I think, if you listen to Hans Zimmer Part One, um, is when you record a musician. Uh, playing each note and then you chop up that recording and feed it through the computer so you hit this key and it's going to play back that performer playing the key um, and it's a lot harder than I'm making it sound I'm sure I've never tried to do it but um, mm -hmm. you can get pretty good at it and get some really nice sounds but at the end of the day you're playing back sound clips and Roland is the only company because they have been a, like a synthesizer company. You might know them as like synthesizers and drum machines. They've been making electronic music from the beginning and they do sound modeling instead of sound sampling, which is something new I'd never heard of. So I didn't even know it was possible, but apparently we've advanced so far that they can reproduce all of the little factors that go into making a piano sound. Um, and this is important because each time you hit a key, it's going to be slightly unique um, given all the factors that go into it. And you can even customize it, which I'm so excited to play with. Um, you can, mm -hmm. you can uh, turn up or down what I was talking about, like that little sound of the damper pedal rubbing up against that. You can uh, turn up mm -hmm. or down the sound effects of the the key clicking the hammer impact um right i think maybe a more obvious example for people who aren't pianists is like when you listen to a, a person playing guitar and you hear like the squeak on the frets as they slide their fingers down the fingerboard you know they're not just you're not getting like each guitar note you're getting guitar notes plus like that little squeaking and the sliding effect so this is the piano equivalent right. of that capturing all that yeah and we get used to we get used to hearing those sounds, and when they're not there, it's weird. Yeah, exactly. The same like with the vocals. If you don't hear a breath, 
it's like, hmm, that's kind of weird. I didn't hear a breath. Yeah. Like, you know. Which is probably why uh, digital voice synthesizers are, like, still the worst out of all of the music reproduction. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's why. It sounds robotic, right? Because yeah. we just, there's very small intricacies to the human voice and a lot of imperfection that is yeah. very noticeable when it's not there. Right. So. So yeah, auto tune. That's um, that's what I got all just down this rabbit hole of researching all the things I just explained and finding out, you know, which ones I can get. So I'm pretty excited to yeah. get this. How how many different things are modeled on the piano? Like how many different sounds can you can you? Are you asking about achieve? how many characteristics, like the hammer effect, or how many instruments? Well. Like so, okay. So it does the whole piano, does the whole instrument model like a, a grand piano, and then like you can just adjust all the little sounds around that, or can you also switch it to like, how about like let's change it from a nine foot piano to a six foot piano, or let's change it from uh you know to a upright piano or a, that kind of stuff. I can't or to different synth. Can you make it synth sound? Um, yeah, so they do have a synth sound if you want to play like retro elect- electronic pianos. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the upright, but they do. So it's modeled off of <clears throat> um, Steinway, um, Steinway uh, European Concert Grand and a American Concert Grand. And <clears throat> the American version is just a little bit more bright and crisp than the European version. And then they have two two versions of each. I'm not sure yet what the difference is, but there's basically, there's four different core options of like fully modeled instruments. Now, outside of that, they've got like 120, you know, more fake instruments. You can play like the, the organ, uh, the harp, uh, harpsichord, all those different things. I don't think they're modeled to that mm-hmm. same level of attention as the, the main yeah. concert grands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be kind of crazy. They could do that with an organ. Like I'll just imagine all the different like little. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to play around with that. Maybe they make an organ version. Uh, like not like a whole different piano. That's like got foot fiddles and everything. That'd be kind of cool. You can come play with it when you visit. Yes, I was gonna say I'm excited about that. Yeah, get to test it out a little bit. Yeah, can you? You know, it'd be awesome. I doubt it has this functionality, but like, how contemporary is it? Can you can you prepare notes? Like, can you change specific notes and be like, uh, I want to muffle that note. Like, I want to mute this note only, or I want to. Uh, you know, add a a buzz to it or something like that. Like yeah, a like a buzz. John Cage. Yeah. That's yeah. that. I had fun with that on my my grand baby grand piano, but um, that is the one thing you cannot do is adding um objects on top of the strings. You know, like you could put a pebble or a or a nail or something on the piano, and it would have a certain effect. Mm-hmm. Um. What you can do is you can individually detune each key if you want. Um, you can, you know, offset it higher or lower. And you can also change the output volume um, if you want to have a couple of, like, weak keys uh, or super hmm. sensitive ones. But, um, yeah, you can't, you can't add... Because, yeah, like what you're describing would be like 
adding in an external effect. But you can right. you could you could prepare the piano in the sense of you could make effects that a piano tuner would make by turning the strings or adjusting the hardness right. of the hammer. Um, but no external objects. <laughs> yeah. That'd I wonder, be cool. Does it also work as, I mean, I'm sure it works as a MIDI controller also, right? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I asked the guy when I was buying it. <laughs> I hope it does. It's expensive enough. But I was like, yeah, and you can like plug this into the computer, right? And he's like, oh yeah, it's got this USB out. Um, and we're trying to find out what kind of information it sends. Um, because mm-hmm. I know going the other way, they market it a lot. It's like, oh, you can plug it in or Bluetooth with your iPad and follow along with the music. But I want to see if I can put it in like Ableton or like Fruity Loops or some type of music software. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I do know that you can make local recordings via USB. So you can just play and record this, the sound output. Um, mm-hmm. But since it's all modeled and it's all these little details, I'm thinking it's probably going to record a sound file, not MIDI. But surely there's got to be a way that you can just send MIDI. What I'm more interested in, rather than it sending, is that it just it can trigger a MIDI sound. So, like if you had it hooked to a laptop via USB, like a, a in a digital audio workspace, like could you like if I hit D, I want it to trigger the sound on the computer, and so then oh, maybe yeah. you could like have a specific like okay, the D is going to be this sound that has been sampled on a Steinway with a nail in it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then you could the, just um... direct that to that <clears throat> key native native fx or something there's um again in my mini youtube watching sessions this is how i choose expensive products as i watch a lot of youtube um yeah (laughs) they had uh they had this piano player do a blind test and um if i can find it i'll put it in the show notes otherwise just have to look for it but um yeah he was blindfolded and he had headphones on and he had four keyboards in front of him and he was testing which ones he liked the best. And they threw him through a loop for the last one because they had it hooked up to a computer, uh, like you said, and it was like a dedicated computer for sound processing. And um, he's like, this sounds amazing, but that's why. Right. So right. Some, some can do that for sure. And one of the, the limitations so far, if you, if you are shopping for a digital instrument, <laughs> I, I learned is um, just the soundboard, the computer that they put into these things. Um, they're little t- tiny computers. And this, you know, more expensive one has like two of them. And that's why it's able to support this kind of thing. Um, but if you plug it into like a laptop or whatever, some type of PC, that would blow out of the water anything that's built into the piano. So I'm sure you could do um, even nicer sounds. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I start to see more and more in contemporary music because, you know, there's people still do some prepared piano work, but mm-hmm. like more now it's like they just get like a some kind of Korg or Roland synth and then just program the sounds in hmm. rather than oh. actually do an acoustic piano because no one has a, I mean, people don't want you to prepare their pianos if they have them. <laughs> and like people often don't have like nice pianos at home that they could then bring in to perform. So they're like figuring out ways to do them all electronically. Right. I just wonder how would you do that electronically? That sounds really hard. Well, like, I mean, essentially they have what's just a giant MIDI controller. 
Yeah, no, and I'm doing like we said. I know the setup. I'm just imagining the mm. actual act. Like, I want to take a piano and make it sound like, you know, there's a, a a quarter sitting on the strings, like. Oh, you just record a quarter sitting on the strings of a piano. Okay, <laughs> I mean, so I'm sampling. thinking simulating. You're, you're talking about sampling. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. That'd be really cool. I don't know. To I think it's you know pretty one to one. But what would be great is if you could do like, all right, I'm gonna record like ten times, ten separate samples. Mm-hmm of me hitting this key with the coin on it. And then I want, whenever I hit it in the actual piece, it's going to randomly select one of those 10 mm-hmm. sounds. So it won't be like the same exact sound every time. It'll be like, just because there's like that little bit of chance of like, well, when it vibrates, it like moves it a little right. bit and then maybe it sounds a little different and you could have like that. It would sound more natural, I think, because it wasn't exactly 100% the same sound every time. No. It was like one of 10. Now I'm just imagining what, obscure samples some people might have come up with i think i saw in barcelona there's this cool john cage exhibit and there's like this video playing you know you walk into those like awkward rooms where there's a projector on the wall so i don't know why they do like mm-hmm. but anyway <laughs> and um <laughs> and it was uh, a, a piece by john cage i think it was john cage and it was some guy throwing potatoes against the wall just like he had like a basket of potatoes and just at irregular intervals, just like thunk, 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 thunk. And so now I'm thinking like, imagine if you have like a potato sampler. Yeah, totally. Sample some potatoes. I mean, he's got, uh, John Cage has a piece called Zero Minutes and Zero Seconds, which just basically says, do any task for any length of time. <laughs> wow interesting that's basically what it is so it could be like i'm just going to like scratch on my little desk for like yeah random amount of time and they would just be listening to that the idea is right just pay attention to whatever the sound is it's like a mindfulness exercise as much as it is an actual musical piece right but he would ask you know well what is music Mm -hmm. our question to discord (laughs) right yeah are you just yeah (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, yeah so, I, I'd like to do an episode about contemporary music. It looks like we've filled up our our pod requirement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sorry, sorry, listener base. That's what you get this week. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it's been a while. We're, we're a little a little rocky yeah, on yeah, the bicycle. Yeah, gotta get warmed up. Yeah, gotta get back into it a little bit. Yeah, so but uh anyway, but yeah. yeah, we'll have to talk a little bit more about probably elite and stuff too. I think we had so much of what, yeah. how we've been hanging out is uh the real elite dangerous. So Yeah, it's true. We've been we've been talking like... more often outside of the podcast, which usually we capture those conversations and we've been playing yeah. elite. Um our video game habits are bad for the pod. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> we just start recording the video game. Maybe I'll just start doing Twitch for, for that too, and then you can yeah. just go get that. But so, yeah, to come back to the beginning of the episode, um, I am going to work on getting this for the next time. We'll do a live video stream so you can watch me and Alex, some talking heads on the Internet, uh, <laughs> recording this live. I'll still keep these local audio recordings and, you know, package it together into a high quality audio podcast i'm not going to start doing video podcast but uh, if anyone wants to tune in and you know see us live and there's the chat component which i think is pretty cool that we've never had 
So, you know, we might get people posting ideas or questions or just insulting us. That'd be we'll great. See. Yeah. Yeah. Bring on the insults. Yeah. I got thick skin. So we'll probably just end up with some bots like normal. Yeah. Most likely <laughs> just have some bots join the stream. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and you know what, Rob, hmm. in November, when I come to see you, we're going to have to do a, the first ever edition of starting to get back on topic where we are live in the same room in person. Yeah. You'll have to bring your microphone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got to talk about a lot of those details. Yeah. Like, am I going to bring my computer? I mean, that's up to you. It sounds kind <laughs> of a that, pain in the ass. That far? I don't, I don't know if you need to do that, but are we going to be that nerdy? <laughs> are we going to go there? That's the question. We, we might go outside. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be november so yeah, in philadelphia that's true no no i gotta see all the old shit remember? yeah yeah see some graves we have a, we have yeah. a broken bell broken on bell. display yep yeah yeah exactly ding <laughs> all right yeah. well oh all right the whole point i was gonna mention the streaming and next time and all that is maybe i can give people a heads up because if we do this next time how's anyone gonna know so here's your warning if you've made it this far, by the way, congrats. Um, <laughs> we will be on twitch.tv slash Rob Rogan. And I'll put this on the notes and stuff. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'll make one for the podcast later. But for now, I'm just going to go ahead and use my account. So if you go there, uh, you'll see some other stuff. I've got Cafe Brogan, which is me hanging out, making some coffee in the morning and it's kind of waxing philosophically. Um, and then you'll see some Elite Dangerous gameplay. Usually just me playing solo, but maybe I'll start broadcasting our group sessions. And then, yeah, then the third leg of this is going to be the podcast. So um, hopefully we'll get that going up. I can't give you a date and a time because that's how we roll. <laughs> but hopefully soon. So, I yeah. haven't said it yet. Yeah. I was going to say, I was like, yeah. Make sure you let everybody know that we're going to do a video podcast. At some point. We don't know when. <laughs> yeah. So it's a really good heads up. Yeah. Be ready at any moment. Maybe maybe I'll, I'll record like a one-minute on one podcast episode just to give everyone a warning. Like, hey, tomorrow. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So refresh your feeds and then keep an eye out for that little voice memo. <laughs> I don't know. We have some logistical yeah. problems. <laughs> anyway well at least we know we'll be able to do it when i'm there in person yeah because only have to use one camera or something yeah so. that that'll definitely work yeah cool. or you have two computers so yeah all right all right well, let's this ramp has been fun, rob yeah um very nice um we made at least we made the debut of the bell yep it's been a nice addition i like that i think yeah. I could have edited and, that um, into the show, but you know, having the acoustic bell is really a nice touch. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And also I have a lot of power cuz I'm holding the bell. <laughs> and I like power. Yep. <laughs> All right, Rob. Well, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Yep, you too. Talk to you later. And uh yeah, see you next time. See ya. Where ah oh. Mask, wear a mask, is this really much to ask? Tie some fabric round your face, oh it's the simplest of tasks. At the gym, at the store, don't treat it like such a chore. No, these mandates aren't malicious, all your theories...